Praise the Lord, brothers and sisters. Welcome back to Kingdom Come Ministries. And in today's episode, we're going to be starting our in-depth Bible study of 1 Corinthians. So, I'm going to be going a little bit off, uh, or mainly off, the Passion Bible. So, if you do not have one, then just listen very closely. So, we're going to be going by chapter by chapter, and we're going to be talking about the... uh, Various sections, because I have it down here on my tablet, which I have divided up into different groups and such things as that, because mainly, if you haven't read 1 Corinthians, well, let me just give you a brief summary about it, just a, just a few words. It's basically a correction letter to the church of first. I mean, of, well, the ba- it was basically a correction letter of the church of Corinth, but anyways, so without dealing dallying, we're going to get straight right into it. So, now, this is going to be a quite of a long series, in, in a way, it may not, I'm not sure if it'll be as long as our old tabernacle studies, but we'll just go ahead and get right into it. So, let's go ahead and pick up in chapter 1, and we're going to be turning to verse 5. So, like I said, if you don't have a Passion Bible, that's fine. You can just follow along with me. So, here we go. Now, in verse 5, Paul says that the people of Corinth have been made extravagantly rich and have been endowed with the wealth of inspired utterance that comes from our knowledge of God or in every kind of speaking, as it reads in some translations, meaning that he is commending them for the following gifts, such as prophecy, gifts of tongues, interpretations of tongues, teaching the word of God, so on and so forth. But so this is what it says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 5. In him you have been made extravagantly rich in every way. You have been endowed with the wealth of inspired utterance and the riches that come from your intimate knowledge of him. Now, Some prosperity teachers may argue that riches is argued to be in the form of money, but this also ties in with verse 7, for it reads this. So now you aren't lacking any spiritual gift as you eagerly await the unveiling of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Paul says that we will be not lacking in spiritual gifts. However, God will provide our needs, that including money, But he does not say that we will be millionaires because we have knowledge of him. Now, the prosperity gospel in of itself is an entirely different subject that I may or may not cover someday. It just all depends on where we go to from here. But anyways, let's just continue on. However, it is mentioned that not everyone, not every believer will have the same gift. So this must be a figure of speech called letotes. I think that's how you pronounce it anyways. But so... In verse 8, Paul states that God will keep us steady and strong to the very end, making us mature so that we will be found innocent. This also correlates to Jude chapter 24. Now, I usually repeat myself to this when I'm trying to ward off the attacks of the devil. And this is what it says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 8. He will keep you steady and strong to the very end, making your character mature so that you will be found innocent on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, God is able to keep us and make us grow spiritually so that we will stay within the faith and not depart. God is also strong enough to keep us and he loves us so much so that we as his children will never be forgotten by our Father in heaven. Now, I can already go ahead and testify that this verse is actually true because back in 2019, I'm also going to be giving you a little bit of story about myself as well. So, Back in 2019, when I had such a hard time finding a job, I decided to move back to my hometown where eventually things weren't going so well. I just, I just couldn't find anything. And all of a sudden, I just felt such an attack on my mind. It felt like the demonic kingdom itself was just knocking on my door within the very depths of my head. And of course, it was just so many thoughts of, you know, 
doubt and unbelief, like saying you're not you're not going to heaven, you're going straight to hell after you die. And of course, with such with things like that, and of course, on top of the stress in life where I couldn't find a job, that was making it so much worse. And this lasted for months, from the moment I woke up to the time I went to bed, I had to deal with that. But now. God actually reached in and pulled me out. So take it from me, from someone who has been through a lot of mental suffering. If whatever you are going through right now, take note of 1 Corinthians chapter 8. And I will read it to you once more. He will keep you steady and strong to the very end, making your character mature so that you will be found innocent on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. But with all that being said, let's continue on. So now... In verses 11 through 13, Paul is beginning to address the visions within the church because some, the people there were actually picking their favorite teachers, and so to speak. So, unity with one another as brothers. So, what can we actually learn from this? We can learn that whenever we choose to align ourselves to human leaders in the church, we are setting ourselves up for failures. So, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 11 through 13 says this. My dear brothers and sisters, I have a serious concern I need to bring up with you, for I have been informed by those of Chloe's house church that you have been destructively arguing among yourselves, and I need to bring this up because each of you is claiming loyalty to different preachers. Some are saying, I'm a disciple of Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I'm a disciple of Peter the Rock, and some, I belong only to Christ. But let me ask you, is Christ divided up into groups? Did I die on the cross for you? At your baptism, did you pledge yourselves to follow Paul? So, Lord Jesus died for our sins. The church is centered around Lord Jesus, and so should our viewpoints be on Him. The church is not based on a popularity contest on who the best pastor or who the best elder or whoever. We may have good teachers or pastors at the end of the day, but regardless, whenever the sun sets, Lord Jesus Christ is the Savior, not them. So, in verse 20, we're going to be moving on to the next session. It talks about like human and world wisdom, so to speak. This one is actually very, very helpful for whenever you're arguing amongst atheists. Now, let's just go ahead and get this out of the way. So, whenever you have... Okay, let me let me back up a little. Sorry, I'm trying to get my thoughts together. For I know what to say. I'm just trying to find a way to word it, but... In life, you may encounter someone who might be an atheist or a Muslim or anti-God person. If you don't know what an anti-God person is, it means that they believe in God, they just don't want anything to do with Him. So, we all, we all have met that person who pretends to be a know-it-all, but 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20 has quite, verse 20 and 21 actually have a lot to say about this type of behavior as well. So let's go and begin. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. So where is the wise philosopher who understands? Where is the expert scholar who comprehends? And where is the skilled debater of our time who could win a debate with God? Hasn't God demonstrated that the wisdom of this world system is utter foolishness? Now, like I was saying, many in the many people in the world like to pretend to be know-it-alls. We all have met someone or have that one friend who likes to ramble on pretending that they know what they're talking about, but in actuality, they know nothing of the very thing they're ranting about. Now, I'm going to go ahead and reveal something about myself. I am not a huge fan of science. Well, 
it's a very complicated standpoint. But I have drawn conclusions based on this reality. So I'm going to go ahead and put this down. Science is a prime example of man trying to pretend to understand as to how the universe works while also denying the very existence of God. Now, before you get angry with me, I'm not saying all scientists are like this, but let me give you a nice quote that I heard. Science doesn't say anything. Scientists do. So, a lot of, a lot of atheists or you know, skeptic scientists deny the very existence of God who created all things and understands them to the tiniest specks. We're his creations. God's fingerprints are all over the universe. Ours are not. We just like to pretend that we know what, it's, what it is, so to speak. But like I said, don't get me wrong. We, as the human species, have many breakthroughs when it comes to medicine and such things as that. But when it comes to trying to comprehend a universe which is incomprehensible by human standards with our limited intelligence, our understanding is futile. So let's take a look at verse 21 for it says this. For in his wisdom, God designed that all the world's wisdom would be insufficient to lead people to the discovery of himself. He took great delight in baffling the wisdom of the world by using the simplicity of preaching the story of the cross in order to save those who believe it. Now, let's just take a moment and think about this. I'm going to ask you a serious, serious question, okay? And I want you to be honest with me. Of course, I know... <laughs> I'm just, just, uh, just answer this for yourself. <laughs> but anyways, here we go. Does the idea of human evolution lead people to God? I want you to just ask yourself that moment. Have you gotten your answer? Well, of course, the answer is no, it doesn't. Because humanity is so fallen, we tend to lean on our own understanding rather than God's, which the Bible tells us, do not lean on thine own understanding you see, we, we what most unbelievers or atheists or scientists tend to do is they tend to see everything from a logical standpoint to draw conclusions as to whether it makes sense or not. But as believers, we know that God created all things by his infinite power. He gave us such a complex design that if you stop for a moment to look at yourself in the mirror just to see his craftsmanship, you would, you would admire his handiwork. But let me, give you a little, let me give you a little bit of information here. Okay, as believers, we're always going to struggle. We're all, we are always, whether it be in our mind, whether it be in our finances or things like that. But the main battleground you're going to fight in is your mind. So, have you ever had a thought in the back of your mind whenever you're reading the Bible or doing your own study sessions or just, or just listening to your pastor or your teacher or a video talk about miracles and such things like that? Such as... Um, God feeding the people of Israel by opening the gates of heaven to rain bread down. Now, that may not sound like it makes sense to human standards because our minds demand an explanation. But the thing about it is, we can't comprehend God's infinite power. We can't understand as to how that works. So, that's what Christian Christianity tends to do, is we lie on faith. We don't know how it works, we just know that it does. See... Right in front of me is a chair. I know for a fact that God can turn a person or something else entirely. He can turn it into a snake. If God can turn Moses' staff into a snake, 
you know, that should tell you something. But the thing about it is, our minds can't understand that. Now, I know I'm rambling, but I'm just trying to give you an idea here. You are always going to have trouble in your mind. You are always. You don't just wake up one day with a perfect holy mind, you know, just with full understanding. That's not how it's going to work. The devil is going to try and say, well, explain this to me. Explain this to me. How does this work? How does God do this? How does that work? How could a man raise someone from the dead? How can someone be raised from the dead? Do you see what I'm trying to do? This is why there are many unbelievers in the world. Because, let me, let me just tell you this. It says this in 2 Corinthians verse, or chapter 4, verse 4. Verse 4, I'm so sorry. It says this. So, let me get it pulled up here, because I actually have taken note on this. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4 says this. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. You see, the problem, like I said, the problem is we can't comprehend as to how God's power works. But that's why many people do not believe in Christ, because Satan has clouded their minds. Now, what does that mean for us? It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean the devil's clouded our vision. We know perfectly well God can do all things. We just can't understand it. We can't understand as to how it works. But anyways, I'm sorry if I rented on so much about this. I just hope you get what I'm trying to get to you about this. But anyways, brothers and sisters, that's going to be it for this section right now. We're going to be moving on to chapter two, which is a little bit less, but there's still quite a bit to talk about here. But Sorry, I'm just getting ready right here. But anyways, brothers and sisters, thank you all so much for listening, and I will see you all on Kingdom Come Ministries next time. God bless you all. Have a wonderful day.